So starting out the race weekend was the truck race Friday night. Uh, the race overall was rather uneventful. You would have some single truck spins and crashes, maybe involve a couple trucks, but nothing major really until the drivers were coming to take the white flag. They come out of turn four on the front straightaway when a, a wreck broke out and took out some top contenders like Tyler Ankrum, John Hunter Nemechek, Matt Crafton, and Grant Enfinger. Uh, and when the wreck happened, the drivers, it looked like it had taken the white flag. But after NASCAR replayed it and reviewed it, uh, you saw that the caution lights came on when the drivers were just feet from the start-finish line. And if they had made it past the line, if the leader had crossed that start-finish line, the race would have been official. Um, however, they were not. So whoever is in charge of the caution light button for NASCAR deserves a raise because they timed that thing perfectly. Um, I mean, just another split second, the race would have been over right then. So the drivers had to set up for a overtime finish. <clears throat> Some of the top drivers up there were Zane Smith in the lead. And you also had Christian Eckes and Ben Rhodes who were with those two teammates, Christian Eckerson and Ben Rhodes, they looked to be they were they were in good position to come away with a win, at least one of those trucks. So the Zane Smith really looked to kind of be in trouble there. However, the green flag fell, and Zane Smith was was able to get ahead and, and hold on to that lead. He came around to take the white flag, and pretty much as soon as the whole field was able to cross the stripe, uh, another wreck broke out. Caution flag flew, which made that race official, and Zane Smith won a race uh, in his first career race with Front Row Motorsports. Uh, last year, that truck was driven by Todd Gillen, who won a race with him. Uh, he's moved on to the Cup Series, obviously. So Zane Smith, and just to talk about him for a minute, this is a guy who just a couple years ago in 2020 was looked at as a, as a future talent of the sport. He was definitely a young up-and-coming driver and still – really is he's a driver to watch but there was a, a point over the past two years where he was talked about possibly getting a ride with chip ganassi racing in the cup series before that team folded um and kind of left him in a tough spot last year last two years he's been driving for gms racing and was able to win a race late last year at martinsville which locked himself into the championship four and he wound up finishing second in the point standings uh, last year and as well as the year before in 2020. So he's got a lot of talent, has a bright future ahead of him in the sport. It's just a matter of, of getting the break he needs. And driving for front row motorsports may be that in his best shot. Uh, he got an impressive start to his career with them, getting a win at Daytona. Uh, to go from For him to go from uncertain future with just a couple races left last year to a solid start with his new team, uh, definitely has to be a big morale boost, and it will be interesting to see how that team performs the rest of the year if Zane Smith can get them to championship contender. Um, so that that's, I think, going to be the team to watch. So looking back at the truck race, the top 10 uh, finishing order, you had Zane Smith with the win. Ben Rhodes was able to finish second, and his teammate Christian Eck is third. Uh, another solid showing for Christian Eckes starting full-time this year for Thor Sport. You had Tanner Gray in fourth. Parker Kligerman in fifth, who is, seems to always be a threat to win anytime he gets in that truck. They only run part-time, mainly at the super speedways, and he is always someone to watch. 
Jesse Little finished sixth, Ty Majeski seventh, Danny Bond eighth, Carson Hosevar ninth, and Matt DiBenedetto wound, rounded out the top ten. Uh, Matt, Matty D, he had a, a quiet night. He mostly was driving around in the back in the 25th to 28th position. Very surprising for me. He was my pick for the race. Uh, I figured he would be someone to watch that could get up there and, and win and surprise a lot of people, uh, but was unable to. Really got a top 10 after you had all the, the crashes there at the end, and he was able to take advantage of it. So solid start finishing-wise for the team this season, but it, it'll be something to see if uh, they how much they struggle this year. And now moving on to the Xfinity Series. Uh, before we got into the race, I wanted to mention a few qualifying times uh, that I was really impressed with. Uh, you had Daniel Hemrick in his first race for college racing. Daniel coming off his championship year last year, trying to defend that title. He starts the season off on a good foot, winning the pole. You had Jade Buford, who qualified third, a driver who's never really been in top equipment, so a good qualifying run for him. And you had Ryan Vargas, who qualified in eighth. And Ryan is a guy who seems to have a big following with fans uh, on social media, especially uh, a lot of people seem to have latched onto him, wanting to see him get some top equipment and, and see what he can do. He's driven most of his career in underfunded equipment. Um, so who knows, he with his qualifying position and pretty good run at Daytona, who knows what opportunities might come forward for him. Uh, but going forward to the race, uh, it was kind of like the truck race, relatively uneventful. Um, you did have a wreck early on with Drew Dollar, who was making his Xfinity Series debut driving for Joe Gibbs in the 18 car. He uh, was caught up in a wreck on the back straightaway with Jeremy Clements, who was a veteran and a mainstay in the uh, Xfinity Series, drives his own equipment. Um, and Jeremy was not very happy with Drew, to say the least, after this wreck. I uh, know he was – him and a lot of people with his team were so active on social media talking uh, that, you know, stuff like that happens when you have these guy, young drivers who just pay their way into rides. So they're obviously not impressed with Drew Dollar. Uh, Drew is a guy who's mainly been in the uh, ARCA series, excuse me, um, and been can be underwhelming in that equipment. So we'll see where I think he has some more races this year in the Xfinity series. We'll see how that turns out for him. Uh, the first big wreck of the night really didn't happen until with 29 laps to go. You had Daniel Hemrick involved in that one, along with Brett Moffitt, Jeffrey Earnhardt, and Josh Williams, just to name a handful. Um, the wreck happened towards the rear of the field. I'm not sure if Hemrick was hanging back there just to kind of try and stay out of the way and avoid those types of wrecks, but unfortunately, it happened right in front of him. You had the 38 car, C.J. McLaughlin, get out of line onto the apron coming out of turn four and come back across the track in front of everyone. So you know those involved in that wreck, they really didn't have a whole lot of chance in that one. Um, and it's really unfortunate for that to happen to Hemrick. He was having a good race. He had won both stages, so he does get some valuable playoff points and extra bonus points uh, towards his championship defense. Uh, but you just hate to see him not be able to finish out and see where he could end up. Uh, another driver that seemed to have a rough race was Sam Mayer driving in his uh, number one ride for J Junior Motorsports. A lot of hype for this kid. He's he's very young. He does have a lot of talent. He's already won a 
Camping World Truck Series race at Bristol. He he does have what it takes, I think, to be a star in this sport. He's just like I said, very young. So and it's probably it may very well be a year like that for him this year, where it's going to be a lot of learning. I do expect to see some flashes from him. It wouldn't surprise me if he, you know, popped up and got a win somewhere along the way and maybe get himself into the playoffs. Um, but I think it's going to be a year of learning. You'll probably see progression as the year goes on with him. He did have a strong stage two where he finished third, so he was able to pick up some points from there. Um, he had a wreck coming to pit road. He lost his bumper cover, and it was just a bad day for him. Uh, he wound up finishing 30th. Uh, but the big thing that happened in this race and that it will probably be remembered for is the wreck. That happened on the back straightaway, uh, coming to the checkered flag. Uh, you had the drivers, you know, trying to make whatever move they can to get themselves a shot at the win. Everybody's pushing. Uh, and Matt Snyder, he got spun towards the uh, wall head on. He was sent up in the air and into the back straightaway catch fence. And that, that was a scary sight to see because it ripped out. You see the motor of his vehicle, uh, the rear end it ripped out. You, you even saw his motor wind up getting hit by another driver, Matt Mills, and caused damage to that car. Um, it was good to see when the car finally came to a rest. You could see him moving around in the car. He put the window net down and was able to get out and walk around on his own power. He was limping a little bit, and I saw where he said that his left leg was pretty sore. Probably going to get it checked out, but the way he was walking and acting, I don't think it's going to be anything to – make him miss races. So when that wreck happened, the caution came out just as Austin Hill was passing A.J. Allmendinger for the lead and wound up being the winning move. Uh, he was able to win in his Xfinity Series debut for Richard Childress Racing. Uh, Austin is a good a super speedway driver. He had quite a few wins in the Xfinity, in the truck series, excuse me, um, and was always a championship contender there. So it was definitely a good start to his full-time Xfinity career. Uh, his teammate, Sheldon Creed, he came away with a top 10. So all in all, I think Richard Childress is pretty happy with the start for his two new drivers this year. Um, in that wreck with Mike Snyder, one of the drivers I mentioned earlier, uh, Jade Buford, he was involved in it, unfortunately. And it's it's was bad to see him in it just because he had had a pretty decent race. He wasn't a race-winning contender by any means, but he was definitely in line to get a solid finish out of it. And the other driver I mentioned that was impressive in qualifying, Ryan Vargas, he wound up finishing 18th in the race. So after the race was over, your top 10 for the Xfinity Series race was Austin Hill with the win, A.J. Allmendinger second, Noah Gregson third, Riley Herps fourth, Justin Allgaier fifth, and then you had Sheldon Creed in sixth, Anthony Alfredo in seventh, Ryan Sieg in eighth, Josh Balicki in ninth, and Brandon Brown in tenth. Uh, so it was a good start for a lot of those guys like Josh Balicki and Ryan Sieg, Brandon Brown, uh, probably won't get too many chances for most of them to show show like they did today. So that was a good end to the race for them. 
And now on to the great American race, the Daytona 500. What we had been building up to all week long was finally here. Uh, my big question was, after the truck race and Xfinity race Saturday night, was were we going to see, like those races, a relatively calm race until the end when everyone's going for the win for every position they can get and we start having big wrecks um that question was answered relatively quickly uh starting out the race you had a uh, greg biffle have to go to the garage with some mechanical issues uh after a handful of laps it was uh, unfortunate to see in his return because a lot of people were hoping to see good things from him in this race uh don't know how many more if any races in any series if he'll run this year um so that was unfortunate to see the first accident to happen uh was between chase briscoe austin sendrick and uh, kaz grala even though kaz kind of wasn't involved with those drivers kaz went, was had lost a wheel uh, his wheel had fallen off it was the first pit road fail we saw with this new stop with the one lug tires um it wouldn't be the last we saw of it in this race uh chase briscoe he was spun out in the in the middle of turns one and two uh luckily for him and Cindric, they really didn't receive any damage it was just a spin out so they were both able to continue on with their race and then at the end of stage one we saw our first pretty good sized wreck uh wreck that involved Denny Hamlin, Kyle Busch, Ross Chastain, Harrison Burton, William Byron, and Bo Alex Bowman. Uh, so a lot of big names were involved in that wreck. Uh, did take out Denny Hamlin, Ross, Harrison, and uh, William Byron out of the race. They were unable to continue, which William Byron hit hard on the inside wall. Uh, Harrison Burton, obviously, if you've seen the replay, flipped over. Uh, which, looking back at the wreck, it, a lot of people were pointing out how easy it seemed that car to flip, which it does have the flat bottom, which you saw when you could see the bottom when it flipped upside down. Uh, reminded a lot of people of the Formula One cars, Indy cars, <clears throat> how those are. So that'll be something to watch in future races, especially at these super speedways. Uh, a lot of people predicting NASCAR will do something about that before we get around to Talladega in the spring. Uh, one good thing that I noticed when Harrison flipped over, he landed on his roof. And whereas in previous races, when something like that happens, you would would see the, the roof cave in, come down on the drivers. But when Harrison hit it square on the uh, roof, it held firm, stayed where it was. So that was one positive thing to see out of this new next-gen car. Um, so like I said, that wreck took out some big names, took away some chances for them to get a win. And when wrecks like this happen in the 500, especially early, you know, this just kind of increases chances of seeing a surprise winner or someone getting their first career win. <clears throat> uh, later on in the race, around lap 150, you had uh, another wreck involving drivers such as Tyler Reddick, uh, Martin Truex Jr., Joey Logano, uh, Kurt Busch, and Jacques Villeneuve got a little piece of it. Tyler was the one who got the worst end of the deal. His car was pretty well torn up on the front, which ended his day, which was Tyler is a guy who a lot of people have pegged for a breakout season this year, especially with this new car and people having difficulty driving it. Tyler is one of those like Kyle Larson. He loves to run the high line, loves to just he, – he does not mind running the car up against the wall if he has to, whatever he can do to find more speed and get that momentum off the corners. 
So while he may have a breakout year, it definitely did not get off to a good start in this race. But with California coming up, that could be a race where he turns it around and gets a good finish. Um, later, you had a wreck on lap 192. And this one involved Kevin Harvick, uh, champion, last year's champion Kyle Larson, Chase Elliott, Todd Gilliland, Eric Jones, and Noah Gregson. This was honestly one of the wrecks I hated to see probably the most just because you had so many drivers in there that were having good runs that needed them, like Todd Gilliland making his Cup Series debut running up there in the top 10 and top 5 for most of the race. Eric Jones, same with them. He had some uh, pit strategy that got him up towards the front, and he had been running up there for most of the second half of the race. Uh, so it was unfortunate to see both of those guys taken out, and then Noah Gregson driving for a small team and he was having a decent day and that uh ended that for him um and like i said the these names i'm rattling off are some pretty pretty big names and some good drivers at these super speedways so like i said you're each wreck you're just opening more and more chance of having a surprise winner uh on lap 196 you had a wreck between brad keselowski chris busher and ricky stenhouse uh, I'll talk about this more here in a little bit, uh, but uh, Brad had his fair share of uh, causing some incidents, let's say, uh, at the race. Uh, in this one, he he was able to continue in the race. However, uh, Chris Busher and Ricky Stenhouse, uh, they were pretty well used up. Stenhouse was out of the race and was not happy with Brad and the way he had been racing. Uh, he was, like I said, Brad was involved in some some of these big wreck incidents. Um, but we'll, we'll get to more of that later on. Chris Busher was unfortunate to see because all three of these guys have been running up front. You got Stenhouse and with JTG Daughtry Racing, they have went from a two car team to a one car team, trying to put all their resources in this one car, hoping for better results and was up there leading the Daytona 500 and made it all the way to 196 and was unable to finish the race. Uh, and Chris Busher, same with him. He's a good super speedway racer. Uh, unfortunately, his day got ended early when he was up there in contention. Um, and from that, we uh, had the final stretch to the finish. You had Austin Sendrick, uh, Ryan Blaney up front. Both those guys have been pretty much mainstays in the top five all day, it seemed like. They, they were constantly hooked nose to tail, you know, making runs for the lead. You also had uh, Michael McDowell was up there in the mix, Chase Briscoe, uh, just to name a, a couple up there. Bubba Wallace has snuck his way up there. Um, so it was definitely going to be interesting to see who would come away with the victory in this. Um, but coming down to the wire, you had a lot of contact and blocking going on coming off of turn four on the last lap. Uh, Austin Sendrick, his teammate Ryan Blaney, had pushed him to the lead. And coming to the trioval, Blaney had a run. He went to the outside. Sendrick ran him up to the wall. Uh, Ryan made contact with the wall. Um, and from there, you could tell he kind of let off, not wanting to wreck his car and his teammates and ruin both their chances at the win. Uh, Bubba Wallace made a late move to the inside. Sendrick was able to go down and block it uh, in time. And then, uh, photo finish Austin Sendrick was able to win his first career race in his this is his second Daytona 500 
So already in his young career, able to add his list name to the list of just so many prestigious names of the sport in the past. So that was cool to see. Uh, Bubba Wallace, obviously very emotional after the race, completely different emotional than what he was years ago in his uh, first Daytona 500 when he finished second with uh, Petty Motorsports. Uh, Chase Briscoe finishing third. Ryan Blaney fourth, Eric Almirola fifth, so he got a good start to his final year of full-time competition. Kyle Busch, after being involved in that first big wreck, was able to come back for a sixth-place finish. Michael McDowell, the defending Daytona 500 winner, able to finish seventh. David Reagan, driving for Rick Ware Racing, able to finish eighth in what I believe is a one-off race. Brad Keselowski was able to come home ninth, and Chase Elliott tenth. So, really up there at the front, you had a lot of your usual players you see at these super speedways. Uh, Bubba won Talladega last fall, finished second in the Daytona summer race. So, in his past three super speedway races, he has finished no worse than second. So, he is definitely a guy that has proven he will be a threat anytime they go to a super speedway race. You had uh, Ryan Blaney up there who has been you know, won just about everything but the Daytona 500. He has a few wins at Talladega, one also at a Daytona himself. Uh, Eric Almirola, the place he won his first career race in a rain shortened Coke 0400 when he drove for Richard Petty. Uh, another top five for him. So, all in all, it was an. Interesting finish, to say the least, uh, with Ryan Blaney. I figured if uh, Austin Sinderquist and his teammate, he probably would have just kept the gas pedal to the floor and just seen what happened coming to the start-finish line. But Ryan Blaney definitely showing true uh, – being a true teammate, not wanting to take them two out. Um, while he may not be thrilled with how it ended, um, he would definitely take the solid start to the season. So going back, and as I mentioned before with Keselowski, he was in the middle of a couple of those big wrecks that happened. Uh, and it's funny, a lot of people point out on social media after years of him complaining about rough driving and blocking from other drivers that he was so prominent today with his blocks and his starting of the wrecks. Um, it looked like in the, the wrecks he was caused, he was pushing the car in front of him and as I mentioned in last week's episode, you got these new round bumpers, and it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out in these races. Uh, you definitely saw it have an effect with, with those two wrecks where they were coming out of uh, the corners and where it transitions from the embankment of the oval of the turn back to the flat of the straightaway uh, between Brad being right on the rear bumper and pushing the car in front of him, and also the air just took the cars in front of him around. Um, Brad was very aggressive from the get-go with his car, which is nothing new from him. However, with these uh, new cars, uh, you would have thought might might have waited a little bit trying to get a better feel for him before he started doing things like that. But Brad, I'm going to play devil's advocate here. Brad probably knows that this was one of the races where him or Busher have their best shot at winning and getting a spot in the playoffs. You know, this first year uh, where he's together with Jack Roush and their team, 
Brad and is a strong driver on the super speedways, uh, always has been. Chris Busher is very solid on the super speedways. So they're not going to have probably many opportunities to, to get wins. Brad, I can see maybe short tracks. He's very good at Martinsville and Bristol. He might can get a win there. But I think Brad's belief is that this will be a struggle season overall. A lot of trying to figure out these new cars, what works, what doesn't, trying to get more speed and get uh, Roush back up to the front consistently in the fields. So on one hand, I can, I can understand that he's trying to just get the most out of these vehicles and get himself a spot in these playoffs because he knows how big of a help that'll be for his team. Um, another thing I noticed in this Daytona 500 and, and kind of in the whole across all three series was there wasn't a true big one. Now, when I think of the big one at these tracks, I think of a wreck that takes out 15 to 20 cars. You know, where, where the field is just devastated. There's, you know, a handful of cars with speed left at the end and then a lot of damaged cars, you know, just kind of trying to get points, get positions that it can. Uh, I found a stat where this was the first Daytona 500 since 2016 to not have a wreck with at least 10 cars in it. So all the big wrecks you saw Sunday, it, I believe if I had my count right, the most was nine cars, I believe. I could be wrong. Um, so, And was that a product of this new package and this new car? It very well may be. We'll definitely know more after Talladega. What we're looking at, I like the way this package raced. You still had pack racing, but it seemed like there was a lot more cars going a lap down. You, this, the field was catching these packs of five cars and six cars and just going right by them, uh, which was different. Not used to seeing that at these racetracks. So me personally, I like the way the package looked. It, you had your usual pack racing, but nothing crazy. Um, besides the top 10, uh, wanted to point out a couple teams that had pretty solid days. Uh, Petty GMS racing. They, uh, they had a pretty solid day. Even though Eric Jones was caught up in that wreck and finished 29th, he was up at the front for most of the race. Probably would have got a top 10, top 5 out of it, depending on how it ran. Uh, just unfortunately, he was caught up in a wreck. Ty Dillon, their other driver, was able to finish 11th, which is around where he ran most of the race. He was in that 8th to 15th range. So a good start to him for this season as he's trying to you know, build back up his stock in, in the Cup Series. Uh Roush Fenway Keselowski racing, even though the positions may not show it, they they did have a big race as far as leading laps, running up front. Um, so that was that was positive to see for them. It'll be interesting to see how the rest of their season goes from here, going to places like California, Phoenix, Atlanta. You know how how will their cars run? Where will they be running at? Uh, Spire Motorsports. Had a, a solid day. Nothing flashy, fancy, just solid. Uh, Corey LaJoy, their full-time driver in the 7 car, he finished 14th. Landon Castle in the 77 car, he finished 15th. So a solid start for Corey. He is definitely looking to improve from his position last year. I know they had some high hopes last year, thinking they could be running some top 25, top 20 races, hopefully getting on up into the top 15s. Uh, but so hopefully that's a positive sign for them this year. Uh, Corey is a, another driver who P 
people, you know, who I would love to see getting a top ride, I think has the talent to do it. He has made the most of whatever equipment he is in. Uh, so it's, it's just a matter of he, him trying, him getting the consistency and the finishes he needs to get there. Uh, Rick Ware Racing, as I mentioned, you had David Reagan finish in the top 10. Uh, and then you also had Cody Ware, who finished a, a 17th position, which is his career best. It was a solid day for him as well. Like I said about Spire, nothing flashy, fancy, just a good solid finish on the day. He kept his uh, car out of trouble. Uh, Stenhouse proved he is still going to be strong and something to contend with on super speedways. It's just a matter for him of getting together a complete race and sealing the deal. I Can he get the, a win somewhere else? Maybe. <clears throat> But I think uh, his best shot at getting in the playoffs is going to be at Talladega or Daytona. Uh, I mentioned earlier one of the incidents involved Kaz Grala where he lost a wheel. As I said, he was not the only one to have that happen to. Justin Haley was the other driver who lost a tire, uh, which with him, Justin Haley, it was different than Kaz's, whereas Kaz's whole wheel came off. Justin just lost the, the rubber. He still had the, the rim and everything, and it was all bent up under the car, so probably some damage under there. Um, your stage winner was Martin Truex Jr. He won first and second stages, so he gets a couple playoff points and a good start to his year. Um, so he, he's looking to continue to be a championship contender. And as I said, the real season, as I've said before, starts now. Now we start getting into the part of the schedule where – who's going the cream going to rise to the top who gets ahead who's going to take advantage of these new cars so going back and as i mentioned before with keselowski he was in the middle of a couple of those big wrecks that happened uh, and it's funny a lot of people point out on social media after years of him complaining about rough driving and blocking from other drivers that he was so prominent today with his blocks and his starting of the wrecks um it looked like in the the wrecks he was caused, he was pushing the car in front of him. And as I mentioned in last week's episode, you got these new round bumpers, and it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out in these races. Uh, you definitely saw it have an effect with, with those two wrecks where they were coming out of uh, the corners and where it transitions from the embankment of the oval of the turn back to the flat of the straightaway uh, between Brad being right on the rear bumper and pushing the car in front of him, and also the air just took the cars in front of him around. Um, Brad was very aggressive from the get-go with his car, which is nothing new from him. However, with these uh, new cars, uh, you would have thought might might have waited a little bit trying to get a better feel for them before he started doing things like that. But Brad... I'm going to play devil's advocate here. Brad probably knows that this was one of the races where him or Busher have their best shot at winning and getting a spot in the playoffs. You know, this first year uh, where he's together with Jack Roush and their team, Brad and is a strong driver on the super speedways, uh, always has been. Chris Busher is very solid on the super speedways. So they're not going to have probably many opportunities to, to get wins. Brad, I can see maybe short tracks. He's very good at Martinsville and Bristol. He might can get a win there. But I think Brad's belief is that this will be a struggle season overall. Uh, a lot of trying to figure out these new cars, 
what works, what doesn't, trying to get more speed and get uh, Roush back up to the front consistently in the fields. So on one hand, I can, I can understand it. He's trying to just get the most out of these vehicles and get himself a spot in these playoffs because he knows how big of a help that will be for his team. Um, another thing I noticed in this Daytona 500 and, and kind of in the whole across all three series was there wasn't a true big one. Now, when I think of the big one at these tracks, I think of a wreck that takes out 15 to 20 cars. You know, where, where the field is just devastated. There's, you know, a handful of cars with speed left at the end and then a lot of damaged cars, you know, just kind of trying to get points, get positions that it can. Uh, I found a stat where this was the first Daytona 500 since 2016 to not have a wreck with at least 10 cars in it. So all the big wrecks you saw Sunday, it, I believe if I had my count right, the most was nine cars, I believe. I could be wrong. Um, so, And was that a product of this new package and this new car? It very well may be. We'll definitely know more after Talladega. What we're looking at, I like the way this package raced. You still had pack racing, but it seemed like there was a lot more cars going a lap down. You, this, the field was catching these packs of five cars and six cars and just going right by them, uh, which was different. Not used to seeing that at these racetracks. So me personally, I like the way the package looked. It, you had your usual pack racing, but nothing crazy. Um, besides the top 10, uh, wanted to point out a couple teams that had pretty solid days. Uh, Petty GMS racing. They, uh, they had a pretty solid day. Even though Eric Jones was caught up in that wreck and finished 29th, he was up at the front for most of the race. Probably would have got a top 10, top 5 out of it, depending on how it ran. Uh, just unfortunately, he was caught up in a wreck. Ty Dillon, their other driver, was able to finish 11th, which is around where he ran most of the race. He was in that 8th to 15th range. So a good start to him for this season as he's trying to you know, build back up his stock in, in the Cup Series. Uh Roush Fenway Keselowski racing, even though the positions may not show it, they they did have a big race as far as leading laps, running up front. Um, so that was that was positive to see for them. It'll be interesting to see how the rest of their season goes from here, going to places like California, Phoenix, Atlanta. You know how how will their cars run? Where will they be running at? Uh, Spire Motorsports. Had a, a solid day. Nothing flashy, fancy, just solid. Uh, Corey LaJoy, their full-time driver in the 7 car, he finished 14th. Landon Castle in the 77 car, he finished 15th. So a solid start for Corey. He is definitely looking to improve from his position last year. I know they had some high hopes last year, thinking they could be running some top 25, top 20 races, hopefully getting on up into the top 15s. Uh, but so hopefully that's a positive sign for them this year. Uh, Corey is a, another driver who people, you know, who I would love to see getting a top ride, I think has the talent to do it. He has made the most of whatever equipment he is in. Uh, so it's, it's just a matter of he, him trying, him getting the consistency and the finishes he needs to get there. Uh, Rick Ware Racing, as I mentioned, you had David Reagan finish in the top 10. Uh, and then you also had Cody Ware, who finished a 17th position, which is his career best. 
it was a solid day for him as well. Like I said about Spire, nothing flashy, fancy, just a good solid finish on the day. He kept his uh, car out of trouble. Uh, Stenhouse proved he is still going to be strong and something to contend with on super speedways. It's just a matter for him of getting together a complete race and sealing the deal. I Can he get the, a win somewhere else? Maybe. <clears throat> But I think uh, his best shot at getting in the playoffs is going to be at Talladega or Daytona. Uh, I mentioned earlier one of the incidents involved Kaz Grala where he lost a wheel. As I said, he was not the only one to have that happen to. Justin Haley was the other driver who lost a tire, uh, which with him, Justin Haley, it was different than Kaz's, whereas Kaz's whole wheel came off. Justin just lost the, the rubber. He still had the, the rim and everything, and it was all bent up under the car, so probably some damage under there. Um, your stage winner was Martin Truex Jr. He won first and second stages, so he gets a couple playoff points and a good start to his year. Um, so he, he's looking to continue to be a championship contender. And as I said, the real season, as I've said before, starts now. Now we start getting into the part of the schedule where – who's going the cream going to rise to the top who gets ahead who's going to take advantage of these new cars so now before we go to the end of the show um i wanted to talk about a few things kind of my this first part is going to be kind of my soapbox segment of the show i guess um during the race there seemed to be a lot of commercial breaks a lot of people on social media pointing that out complaining about it that we weren't getting to watch, see that much of the race. We missed the first caution. We missed the second caution. We nearly missed the, the big one with Tyler Reddick. Uh, they were breaking for commercial on that and then came back uh, after the wreck had started. So I did some digging uh, and looked at the commercial breakdown from uh, last year's Daytona 500 to this year's Daytona 500 just to see was there that big a difference? Had we just forgotten? Um just see how far off we actually were. Um, so now looking at it, it really was pretty similar compared to last year's Daytona 500. You had uh, race minutes. Last year's Daytona 500 was 206. Commercials were 58. This year's race was 192 minutes. Uh, commercials were 56 minutes. So you, you did have a little bit longer commercial, a little bit more commercial to race ratio, uh, but not by a whole lot. Um, I did look, I counted what commercial breaks I could count. I counted 21 commercial breaks out of 200 laps. So about every 10 laps, they, they were taking a commercial break, sometimes less. Sometimes it was, you know, eight laps, seven laps, or if it were, there was a caution, uh, it would just be a few laps. So, and another thing was, in which people were pointing this out back at the clash at LA Coliseum, was the camera work. The zoomed-in camera uh, weren't able to see much of the race. It felt like we could only watch like one car at a time. So, and there were some people complaining about the camera work again after the Daytona 500. Um, it seemed like there was more zoomed-in shots, a lot of bumper cameras used, uh, especially with the first wreck between Harrison Burton and Kyle Busch, William Byron, Denny Hamlin that were involved. At first, you only saw William Byron and Kyle Busch wreck. Um, instead of normally, they would go for the wide shot where you'd see the whole 
thing. You know, nobody knew anything about Harrison really until they said, hey, let's go to replay and show you what happened here. Uh, all we saw when the wreck started was Byron going to the inside wall and hitting it and Kyle Busch going back up across the track. Um, so, like I said, just pointing out what I saw, what I noticed, um, it seems like they could use a little bit better work on the cameras. It didn't feel like we could see the whole picture like we have before. As far as the commercials go, while it did feel like a lot of commercial breaks, and maybe it is, um, at least for the past couple of years, it has been the status quo. So, I mean, I understand Fox, they have to sell their, their commercials. They have to sell their advertisement. They, this is all a business. We all got to make money. So it'll be something to watch going forward. I doubt anything will change of this if it hadn't yet. Um, but I know they got TV talks coming up, a lot of uh, speculation on that. So it'll be interesting to see how that turns out. So moving on from that, now that I've gotten that out of the way, uh, wanted to point, spotlight a, a few drivers, or well, a driver from each series is what I'm trying to do. Uh, who kind of stuck out their spotlight performers? Who stood out? Who surprised? Who had a strong race? Who made some smart decisions uh, and, and got up on that wheel and got the job done? Starting out with the truck series, I want to mention Jesse Little. Uh, Jesse, who is the son of former NASCAR driver Chad Little, uh, he finished sixth. Now, this was his first top ten since 2018. Now, granted, Jesse has not ran a full-time schedule in the truck series ever. He started racing, if I read right, uh, 2017, I believe it was his first year. He's only run a handful of races in the truck series each year. His most successful season was 2018. He had nine starts and was able to get six top tens out of it. And most of those starts were in family equipment. And he was definitely uh, overachieving in that equipment. So great performance for him. Happy to see him get another top ten. Uh, he's a guy I look at and I would love to see get some top rides. Hopefully this is a step in the right direction. I don't know what his uh, schedule looks like for the rest of the year, if he's running full-time in any of the series or just – making some part-time runs, but either way, he got off to a good start this year. Now, moving to Xfinity Series, Josh Balicki is my spotlight performer. Uh, this was his first career top 10 finish. Now, Josh, for most of his career, has run for underfunded teams. Uh, DGM Racing is the team he's with now. Before, he has run for teams in the Cup Series, such as Tommy Baldwin, Rick Ware, Spire Motorsports, uh, he's also ran for Rick Ware in the Xfinity Series, as well as B.J. McLeod and a handful of other teams. So not a lot of big teams and well-funded cars that he's driven. Uh, but he is a guy I hear a lot of uh, media, mainly Jeff Gluck, is very high on Josh Balicki, just mainly because while he drives underfunded cars, he's constantly running the back, getting lapped. He seems to be a smart driver. He doesn't get in the way of the leader's. He keeps his cars clean. He he logs laps, which is very important. So, you know, could he be the next Corey LaJoy or Matt DiBenedetto who takes that step, that slow climb up the ladder into getting a competitive ride? Not real sure. Uh, it'll be something to keep an eye on. He is running for Spire Motorsports uh, some this year in the 77 car. Um, probably in Spire Motorsports is in a better position 
than they have been before when he was ran for them. So he might be able to get some solid finishes. Uh, the main thing is keeping the car clean and getting laps logged. In the Cup Series, I got two drivers I want to mention. The first one is Jacques Villeneuve, who is a former Formula One champion, Indy 500 winner. Jacques is, you know, a very successful open-wheel driver, and he is no stranger to running in NASCAR. He has run a lot of Xfinity races, especially at road courses. He's been known to ruffle feathers. He he is definitely not a guy that cares what you think or how you feel. He He's going to go out there and race with everything he's got. Um, but he had a tough speed weeks at first. Um, he was a guy coming in and after all the practices did not look like he had a good shot to get in the field. Um, this was this team's first race, uh, attempt. So they had to, uh, they had to fight, they had to claw and they did. They actually qualified on time. They didn't have to worry about finishing higher than any of the other open cars in the duels. They after the duels, they wound up having to make an engine change. Uh, so he had to start last in the field. He avoided most of the wrecks. He was involved in one, but nothing serious. Uh, but with that, avoiding these wrecks, keeping his car mostly clean, he was able to finish 22nd, which for a team making their first career start, not a driver, a team, you know, this is and a team that's just been put together recently, um, to have and to show the speed they lacked in practice for them to go from not not looking well to making the field, qualifying on time, changing an engine, starting last, finishing 22nd was probably feeling like a win for them. I mean, that that is especially a good payday for them to help them further their race team. Hopefully they can make some more starts. You know, we'll see. But he, he definitely is a spotlight performer in the Cup Series. Now, the second driver I want to mention is Chase Briscoe. Now, Chase, he drives top equipment, and Chase is a top driver. Um, however, what I'm putting the spotlight on him for is how he raced at the end of Stage 2. Chase was in danger of going a lap down and having to rely on the lucky dog if he was able to stay the first lap car on the track uh, and having to worry about that if he could be able to get that lap back or doing a wave around and chase made the decision that two laps to go he's gonna block he's gonna stay in front of them leaders and try his best to avoid going a lap down before the end of the stage so he luckily he didn't have to block him for long but for him to just make the you know to get up on that wheel block these guys who have a huge pack behind them huge draft and hold, be able to hold them off. Now, did he affect the end of stage two? Yes, he did. It looked like Logano was going to win the stage, and it wound up being Martin Truex Jr. because of that. But Chase had to do – he got his own race. He did what he had to do to get to the next part where he could compete and have a shot at the win. And because of that decision, because of him deciding that, hey, I may make him mad, but I'm going to do my best to stay in front of him. He was able to finish third in the Daytona 500, which was his first career top five and his best career finish. Um, so Chase, last year was his rookie year, coming off a very successful Xfinity career. He had a lot of hype coming in, but a lot of people knew he had, you know, people were going to have to be patient with him. He wasn't going to, you can't go from Xfinity to Cup and you're just going to dominate like you did in Xfinity Series. It's a whole deeper pool. 
in the Cup Series. So for him to start off his sophomore year with a third-place finish, it, it, it is good to see. Uh, he definitely would have been a popular win. But, hey, I would take a third place in the 500, especially for what he had to battle. And that is all we have time for in this episode. I thank you again for joining me. Uh, it's awesome to get this season officially kicked off and get this first full episode out. You can find my podcast on Apple, Google Podcast, Spotify, Anchor, and Stitcher. Just hit that subscribe button. You can also find me on Twitter um, at the number three wide and the number three again. Just hit that follow button, send me a direct message, and let me hear from you. Thank you all again, and we will see you next time. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to 3 Wide. I'm your host, Randy Crawford. Today, we'll be previewing the return to Auto Club Speedway for the Xfinity Series and the Cup Series. So let's get started.